Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask whether there are any plans to add players in the January transfer window. Watch this space. Watch this space we did. And lo and behold, that space has been filled by Australian international Caitlin Ford, who this week was announced as Arsenal women's new signing. Not a surprise um, by any means. There were quite a lot of reports out there already. Um, This is something um, I think... I heard about this maybe in early January. Um, quite a complicated transfer to do, obviously, because she was ostensibly playing for two clubs. She was playing for Sydney FC in the W League, and she was also playing for Portland Thorns in the NWSL, and then her rights were traded to Orlando Pride. So it's quite a complex deal for Arsenal to do, and it took a few weeks, but they've got it over the line. And Caitlin Ford will join Arsenal. Um, I think she's going to play a couple of Olympic qualifiers for Australia first. And we should see her in red and white in late February. Um, From everything that we've heard, it sounds like she's a very Joe Montemore player. Very versatile, can play in a number of different positions, number of different systems. But don't take it from me. Uh, Pippa and I have spoken to a couple of... Uh, very learned experts on all things Caitlin Ford. First of all, you're going to hear Pippa talk to Aidan Gibson. Aidan is a writer for SB Nation, but for the purposes of this podcast, very handily, he is a fan of the Arsenal women's team and he is a season ticket holder at Portland Thorns. So he gives us a really good insight into the kind of player that Caitlin is, how her spell Uh, her last kind of two years in Portland have been received, the kind of player she is and how she might fit into this Arsenal squad. Um, So we hear from Aidan first. And then I had the pleasure of talking to Australian women's football journalist, Samantha Lewis, about Caitlin as well. Samantha is a freelance um, Australian women's football journalist, but she has bylines in The Guardian and ESPN, very, very highly respected, um, huge expert on all things Matildas and W League. So I talk with Sam a little bit about Caitlin's international career and a little bit about her career in the W League as well in Australia. Um, it's it's quite common for Australian players to play simultaneously in America and Australia because of the way the calendars sync up. But we'll go into that a little bit in the podcast. Um, but without further ado, first we're going to hear Pippa talk to Aidan Gibson about her time at Portland Thorns and then after that you'll hear uh, myself Tim Stillman talking to Samantha Lewis of The Guardian, ESPN and others. Okay so first things first let's get down to the nitty-gritty what type of player is Caitlin Ford like what are her attributes her weaknesses 
I mean, you're used to seeing her play. What could you tell us about her? Yeah, um, so Caitlin's quite a versatile player. Um, she can play, uh, she's played fullback. Uh, I think that's where she made her debut for Australia in the World Cup like eight, year, eight nine years ago. Uh, for Portland, she primarily played um, up front as a number nine. Um, though I would... I'll get it. We can get into this later, but I was sort of categorized her Portland period as, as sort of two distinct uh, periods. But she's she's a really hardworking player. She's really versatile. Um, she played as a number nine for us. Um, that sort of uh, quality of sort of hardworking, holding the ball up um, and sort of creating space for others to play is something that, you know, during during uh, Ford's time at Portland, the, the manager, Mark Parsons, really valued. Um, there's another player, Anna Maria Sonogorsevic, uh, who's now at Barcelona, who sort of had a similar role. And she was actually signed as cover for, for Ford. Um, so yeah, she, she, she does, she can play up front and she, and, and she does, and she does certain things well. She can also play wide and she can sort of, she can link up yeah. think, really well with players uh, from a wide position. She does that more for Australia. She has a good relationship with like, with, with Sam Kerr and, um, and she's also, and she's a, she's a really phys, she's a really physical player, really hardworking. Um, and I think it's it's kind of it can be difficult to sort of get the ball off of her. Oh, that's she's great. Sort of, yes, yes. So she can, so she can hold it up really well. And she and she's strong, and she's you know she can sort of bounce bounce off of bounce off of defenders in a way. Um, in terms of weaknesses, uh, and I don't know, she's not necessarily the quickest player so she's not going to be someone who's going to really give you like searing pace up front um i think you know i think her i think her, her pace is fine but yeah. when you but if you want someone who's like really rapid up front she's not necessarily going to give you that um not necessarily the best finisher though i think that in part is a, there's a lot of confidence confidence uh part aspects to that and i'm not sure if we ever really i think there is a brief period where she was in at portland where she was in really good form and really confident and was a good finisher and then other times that was sort of uh not the case and so i you know i kind so of is it that, just a bit inconsistent yeah yeah exactly exactly well you're not really selling her to me with those weaknesses because i mean she <laughs> characterizes a very versatile play i mean she could play on the left play on the right as a winger um as a wing back as well and notably as a forward i was hoping that she would come in as you know support for vivian Miedema. yeah yeah so i think um as support for viv i think one thing that caitlin does really well is um she you know her ability to bring others into play especially midfielders um that's something when she first came into the team at the back end of the 2018 nwsl season she was doing really well she had a great uh, great sort of partnership with with Christine Sinclair, Tobin Heath, Lindsay Horan, um, and there's a got that one of the goals that um, there is a goal that we scored. It was an equalizer in the semi final against uh, Seattle Rain, um, and she sort of like she comes deep, uh, holds the ball up, wins it, holds it up, uh, plays it fo plays it forward to Lindsay Horan, who then um, plays in Tobin Heath and sort of that ability to drop off and create space for other attacking players I think is is something that's that's really valuable and I think that's uh something that you can get as as a backup for Viv um yeah. and I think you know I and I think she I think she'll you know I think she is someone who can chip in with goals too so if you if you play her with Viv um in one of the wide positions um I think she's someone who would who can absolutely add goals um from a wide position as well so 
I'm sure yeah. that's what we want to hear. I mean, where did she play most often though? Where can we see her fitting into this Arsenal side? What what position can you see her playing and where does she play most? Yeah, so that's that's a bit of a tricky question. So she played as a number nine for us for for the Thorns for mo- for most of her time here. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, it's when she plays for Australia and, and when she plays in the W League for <laughs> Sydney, she quite often plays uh, in a wide position. Um, so I think that's probably where, if she's starting, you'll see her more more often than not. Um, I mean, she can play as a number nine, but when you've got Vivian Miedema, you don't really... <laughs> you don't really need that um so yeah but she mostly played as a number nine for us and was she, was she like really popular with the fawn fans like how have they taken the news of her departing uh so um i think the news of her departing was taken um i mean so she was popular i think like all of the all of the players are popular especially with uh the riveters those of us who who stand in what in section 107 right behind the goal mm-hmm. um but she was uh on the day that she was traded um emily sonnet who is a really po- who is a really popular character um with the team was also traded as was mitch purse who was the um fans player of the year last season so uh f- f- and and since then uh the thorns have also lost uh hayley rasso who i think you know was another sort of had been here longer and had really sort of like developed ha- had become popular so caitlin was 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 definitely a popular figure with the fans but sort of the reaction was the reaction was kind of uh it was sort of like oh okay like the, there's these other players who've gone too so we're you know we're kind of we're kind of really Wait, devastated still... about that yeah i mean you know half like a, a lot of key players went they the sort of that day so yeah. it kind of softened the blow i guess yeah exactly yeah. exactly and i mean you watch a lot of the arsenal women play regularly don't you um could she yeah. perhaps give us qualities that we sadly never got to see with tabia kem uh i think so definitely i mean that that sort of versatility which is really valuable um i think that's that's something that she absolutely brings and you know with us with the sort of small squad that Arsenal have that, you know, it, it's, I'm sure, you know, you and Tim have spoken about that at length, that sort of ability to cover, multi, to play in multiple positions and play well in multiple positions is, I think, essential. Um, so I think, you know, Caitlin, I, I think she'll be, she'll be really valuable in that sense. And, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, you can pretty, I think you can pretty much stick her in any position and she'll do, and maybe not center back, um, <laughs> and maybe not central, midfield and she'll put in a shift um and i think you know that 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 was that was one of the reasons why she was brought to portland that was one of the reasons why she was she was in it she was really highly rated by the manager here uh mark parsons like you know she does that she's she's an intelligent player who does who can do a number of roles whether yeah. it's for a full game whether it's as a sub at the end of the game um whether it's it's for 45 minutes like she can she can do a number of different things and is in, quite intelligent tactically now I know a couple of years ago she had a a serious foot injury and I think that was in the semi final, wasn't it? And it required surgery. I have yeah. to ask, like, what is her fitness like? This is a really important question for Arsenal fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, she got that injury she got that injury after it was announced that she was going to play for, for Portland in the NWSL. Um it was before she got here and 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 it took us some time to come back from that um and i think it really it really it that was the second time she'd had that injury i believe um she had it in the other foot and 
you know that was sort of that was so i think that those are that's one of sort of like the confidence thing one of the periods of of not having as much confidence you know she said herself she didn't really feel comfortable for for six or seven months just playing football didn't feel comfortable with with sort of her with with how it felt um and and that sort of disrupted disrupted her season then but um you know she she actually she also spoke about taking that time uh to sort of improve her overall fitness and her fitness was was fine at portland um no sort of like no not i can't really remember any um soft tissue injuries um and she, and this is someone who has played a lot of football for the last 18 months you know she played at the end of the end of the 2018 NWSL season she played 2018-19 in Australia she came back for the NWSL last year and then was in the World Cup and then is again in Australia so you know for the amount of football that she has played um you know her she she's bit she's fairly robust in that sense well that's great news <laughs> that's absolutely great news now I know you watch a lot of WSL and you watch a lot of Arsenal now that like the likes of I have to mention Sam Kerr, who's also Australian, has come over to the league, and now Caitlin, do you feel like there'll be plenty more viewers watching this this league? Yeah, uh, uh, my uh, my entire timeline yesterday was uh, filled of uh, just endless repeats of Sam Kerr's goal, which. Uh, <laughs> Was not, which is not what I wanted to see. Um, yeah, I think you know. I think I think the the other thing that that's absolutely crucial is the accessibility, right? So until so last season when Arsenal won the league, mm-hmm. there wasn't it wasn't really accessible to watch here. Um, it was if you had <laughs> if you had if you had the, if you had ways you could figure it out, but it wasn't accessible to the general sort of like soccer viewing public, and especially sort of like. Um, Especially people who are familiar with women's football and are familiar with Sam Kerr and want to see Sam Kerr in the WSL. So I think you know, I think uh, the presence of Kerr, the presence of Ford, the presence of Haley Razzo, I think that will drive sort of casual interest, and, and maybe that you know gets people to 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 sort of start watching more and more. Yeah. Now this may not be a question that you could definitely answer. But how soon do you reckon we can see Caitlin in action after, well, now, from now, really? Yes. Yeah, so I think uh, what uh, it, the Athletic reported that she's going to be with the Australia Olympic team. Um, so their qualifiers, I think, are end February 9th. Um, so, you know, maybe sort of that, the weekend after that. Um, yeah, I guess it, it, it depends. I think that's probably more of a for how well she sort of integrates into the team what joe like what joe thinks um but yeah i mean you know i think she 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 should be fine she should be good to go in in a footballing sense you know she's she's been she's been playing so it won't be like you know she needs a preseason or anything yeah so she should be fine on that front yeah well aiden thanks so much for your insight cannot wait to see caitlin in action i'm sure we'll be hearing more from you you'll be supporting us from the other side yeah, my pleasure. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to seeing her play, play for Arsenal. It'll be, it'll be interesting, yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caitlin Ford, are you in any position to talk about um, how likely that transfer is? A lot of reports going around this week that, um, that Arsenal are interested, shall we say? Um, yeah, look, we we, uh, we are interested, um, and uh, we, um, we will see over the next uh, week or so whether it's going to happen. Okay, delighted to be joined now by uh, Australian women's football writer for The Guardian, amongst other titles, Samantha Lewis. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, so obviously we're going to talk a bit about Caitlin Ford, Arsenal's new signing for January. Can you start just by telling us your very kind of general thousand foot view uh, kind of opinions of Caitlin Ford as a player? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know Ford personally, so I can sort of only speak to what I've seen and heard from other people as well as sort of official interviews that I've done with her in the past when it comes to her character. Um, I think it's important to remember that she's been part of uh, sort of this core group of Matildas for a really, really long time, starting back when she was around 16. So a really formative stage of her life. So when it comes to sort of talking about the player and the character who she's become, um, she's been really heavily shaped by the people around her, as all of us have. Um, she's really team-oriented because of that, so in a similar sort of way to, to Sam Kerr. You know, all the questions that you ask her, she finds a way to bring it back to her teammates and her role as part of sort of a larger collective. Um, so that's a really good mentality to have when making a jump as big as this one, uh, as the one that she's making now into a, an environment that's pretty new for her, um, when her domestic career up until this point has basically been between Australia and the US. Um, she seems to sort of fit in wherever she goes. In terms of her playing abilities, she's always been really comfortable with the ball at her feet. Um, she loves to run at defenders. She loves to dribble. She loves to use her body and her technical skills in tight spaces. Um, she's become much more adept at small sort of one-two passes and combinations over the last few years as well. I personally think that she's a better winger than she is as a centre forward. Mm. She has a natural tendency to sort of start wide and cut inside um, and to work with whoever the centre forward is in those combinations in the centre of the field. So, and from what I've seen of Arsenal this season, that seems like the kind of football that you like to play. So I think mm. she'll be a really good fit there. Yeah, and I'm interested, uh, you know, you touched on the fact that she plays out wide and she plays in the centre and for Australia she kind of she's kind of the foil for Sam Kerr and um, one of the things I'm quite interested in is if you look at the Arsenal squad um, I don't think the, the Arsenal squad's quite as small as people think it is but a, a definite gap we have 
is um, back up to Vivian Miedema because let's face it, no good striker is going to sign for Arsenal. No good out-and-out striker is going to sign for Arsenal to sit on the bench behind Vivian Miedema. And so I think what Joe's had to try and do is find a player who can play number nine, but really plays in other positions so that he can guarantee them playing time. So um, the the kind of the way Miedema plays for Arsenal, she's more important than just goals. She comes away from the front line a lot and Arsenal have this team of attacking midfielders who like to go and run in behind her. Is is that, mm. given the way that Caitlin plays as a foil for Sam Kerr, um, and you said, you know, she's good at combining with players, it, you know, playing that number nine role at Arsenal, is that something you could see her doing? I mean, I think she's definitely capable of doing it, but I don't personally think that it's where she's strongest. Um, I mean, if anyone watched Australia or the Matildas games during the World Cup last year, you get a pretty good understanding of how Ford and Kerr worked together up front um, because they've been playing together basically since they were teenagers, both for the Matildas and then for various sort of W League and and WSL clubs. It's practically impossible for them to not have developed any chemistry or understanding of each other's roles as a result of all that time spent together. Um, But I think sort of what's happened lately that's interesting is that Ford has had to adapt her game to to Kerr um, as the latter has sort of taken off over the last couple of years. You know, all the teams that Kerr has played in since around sort of 2017 have had to shape themselves around her because, you know, she's Sam Kerr, duh. Um, So as a result of that, Ford has had to, she's sort of found herself in more of a supportive role than perhaps what she was used to. Um, But the chemistry that she's developed with Kerr over all those years means that the two of them are able to swap in and out of each other's positions when needed. Um, And we saw that a couple of uh, times during the World Cup where, you know, if the two of them felt like something wasn't working, Kerr would move out wide and Ford would come in through the middle. That's partly how the Matildas were able to work their way back into the group game against Brazil, um, which was amazing. Um, And so, again, they're they're two players that like to play in tight spaces, you know, doing little passes and back heels and things to each other. So I think, you know, having that history together and being able to be versatile in that way is going to make Ford uh, a a good um, sort of fill-in for Miedemar. Um, But I think she's also good. You know, she bursted on, she came onto the scene for the Matildas at right back. So that's perhaps another um, area of the field where Monomuro might want to be using her. Excellent. And, and um, just as a kind of aside, uh, referencing that Brazil game, I, I, I remember it very well. I have a Brazilian wife and um, I do some writing about the uh, the, the Celestial. So um, remember that game very well and Caitlin's role in it indeed. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to ask as well, another fairly general question. How is um, how's Caitlin regarded by um, both Matilda's fans and by her coaches? Um, with the Matildas like what is she popular is she seen as um, you know she's seen as like a a really core member of the group yeah look in terms of fans um, Caitlin is one of the darlings of the Matildas I think partly because of who she is and how she plays um, and partly because she's just been around for such a long time. You know, for a lot of fans who really only started paying attention to the Matildas in the last sort of five or six years, Ford has always been there. And, you know, people forget again that she got her first call-up when she was 16. She was the youngest Australian player to ever take the field at a World Cup when she started in the 2011 tournament in, in Germany. 
Um, and that was a tournament that people really sat up and took notice of her because, um, again, in a game against Brazil, she had a fantastic stint at right back against Marta, famously keeping her in her pocket for the entire match. And as a result, she won FIFA's Best Young Player Award for the tournament. She went on to win the AFC's Young Player of the Tournament not long afterwards. Um, and I, I remember April Heinrichs, who was the US Women's National Team coach at the time, said something like, uh, she's got the potential to become you know, the, the prototype of a modern fullback who is strong in defense, but also one who thinks offensively, something like that. Mm. Um, so, so Arsenal fans will probably be thrilled to know that that Ford has this ability and this experience sort of all over the park. Um, and in terms of her coaches, I've only ever heard really great things. Um, she's someone who always is hungry to learn. Um, she's someone who's not afraid to um, push herself and to try and work in systems and in combinations that she's not particularly familiar or comfortable with. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, as her, her sort of her most recent stint at Portland perhaps is a demonstration of. Um, but she's, she's just adored. And I think that it's once she gets there and she starts to sort of open herself up to Arsenal's fan base and to the team, I think you're all going to see why. Yeah, that, and that all sounds really interesting because um, the way Joe likes to work, he likes to have quite a small, tight squad of about 17, 18 players, but he likes them all to be able to play lots of different positions. And, and all of the things you're saying... Um, I, I can really see why Joe is quite attracted to this player. Um, that that kind of versatility and that ability to play different formations, which is which is very much Joe's forte. Um, and you know, Joe Joe mentioned Caitlin to me about two years ago, not as a player he wanted to sign, but as a player he admired. So I'm I'm not hugely surprised to see this move. Do do you think? Um, you know, I suppose looking into your crystal ball a bit here, do you think that Arsenal and the WSL and coming to play for Joe Montemoro, do you think that this will be a good move for Caitlin at this point in her career? Yes, definitely. Um, because it just sort of feels like, in the same way that I think Kerr going to Chelsea is an excellent move for her, it just sort of feels like Kate has reached her ceiling a little bit. Um, and I think that's mostly to do with the environments that she's been in. You know, the W League um, is not especially, they'll probably kill me for saying this, that it's not especially progressive when it comes to um, investment or, or sort of growing the game here. Um, and the NWSL, you know, it, it, it hasn't really suited her style. Um, she's really tried at her time in Portland to to fit into the kind of system and the style that they play there, but she just never really seemed to click. And, you know, she, also she was coming up against the likes of, you know, Tobin Heath, Christine Sinclair, you know, these fantastic players to compete against to try and get a starting spot. So I think it's going to be a really good challenge and a really necessary challenge for her because for some, you know, for some of us who've been watching her for a while, it's always felt like she's capable of so much more, um, particularly for the Matildas. So, I, yeah, so I, we're all in Australia, we're all really, really excited to see what she can do. And uh, obviously she's the third Matilda to come to the WSL in January, um, Sam Kerr grabbing a lot of the headlines, but really interesting move for Hayley Russo as well to come to Everton and, and Everton's quite an interesting club who are trying to build themselves back up at the moment under Willie Kerr. Um, 
why do you think the UK um, is becoming a bit of a popular destination for Matilda's players and um, do you think that that trend will continue? Yeah, I think it will. Um, and there are already rumours flying around Australian media that there are a couple more Matildas who might be on their way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, you know, one of the, the biggest draw cards for Australian players in particular to go there is the stuff that's happening off, off the field. It's, you know, the WSL is the first fully professional women's league in the world. That's attractive to literally anybody who wants to have a career in football who's a woman. Um, And to see, you know, to see these big clubs now, clubs that these women have probably been following since they were kids, that that they've supported, that their families have supported, now starting to lean in and seriously invest in their women's sides, it's, it's just a dream come true for a lot of these players, you know. So I think uh, it's particularly attractive for the the players who've been jumping back and forth between the W League and the NWSL for a number of years because um, sort of whenever you ask them about it, they sort of have this, you know, uh, this stare that goes off into the middle distance because they're just exhausted. It's, it's, really, it's really tiring and it starts to affect um, their bodies. It starts to affect their minds. You know, their performances start to suffer. Um, and for a lot of the women who have been doing it for a number of years, like Sam Kerr, like Caitlin, um, and like a couple of others, um, Hayley Rasso included, it's just sort of getting a bit too much. And sort of the reason that they've had to be doing it for as long as they have is because they haven't had an alternative. This has been the only way that they've been able to play football full-time as a profession. But now the WSL has offered them something that's much more um, sort of comfortable. It's much more like the kind of football that we see played everywhere, everywhere in the men's game at least. Um, and I think it's going to it's it's sort of it's going to be the the the, the pebble that sets off the, uh, the the landslide. I would hope because now other leagues, especially the NWSL, are looking to the WSL and saying, "Oh shit, you know this is suddenly a, a serious uh, competitor of ours. We need to step up our game as well if we don't want to lose more players." So it's going to be, I think, a really interesting dynamic over the next five to ten years to see how other leagues um, adapt to what the WSL has done. And um, just just for kind of context for our listeners, could you um, maybe explain? Obviously, it's really common, basically, because of the way the calendars work, right, that a lot of Australian players play simultaneously in the NWSL and the W League. Can you perhaps just explain a little bit, just just for any listeners who who, who might not be aware, um, the way the calendars sync up and why that's such a popular option for Australian players. Yeah, so the the W League and the NWSL um, have, for a number of years, had complementary playing windows. Um, the W League has tended to be played from sort of mid-October to mid-Feb. Um, and then there's sort of a gap of maybe a month, a little bit more, and then the NWSL season starts. And then that tends to end about a month before the W League starts. So it sort of works out in a really nice year-round playing calendar. 
Um, and so you often see, or well, we have seen here over over the course of the W League, players who have um, played their season in the NWSL, but who have wanted to stay fit. They've wanted to improve aspects of their game. Um, they've wanted to earn a little bit more money. They've wanted to come to Australia on holiday and you know stay fit. So they've they've um, got a contract in the W League for for the sort of three to four months that the league runs here, um, and that's worked really well. And that's that's been one of the main reasons that so many of our Matildas have found opportunities in the US. Um, and it's also the reason why I think the W League has continued to improve because we have these fantastic um, US based players who come to Australia and you know they up the ante of training. Um, they provide really great mentoring for younger players and. And it's just also a really good way of, I think, syncing up the two fan bases as well. Even though we're on sort of opposite sides of the world, um, there's a nice sort of community feel about this partnership. Um, and what what the um, the league is wanting to do actually is they're wanting to formalise this partnership now because they see the rise of Europe as the biggest threat. So they're sort of wanting to form this like super league type of thing where. They have the two leagues playing side by side and they try to sync it up as, as well as they can so that we can continue to have um, this sort of self-perpetuating cycle of players going in and out. So I, I personally, I'm not really a fan of that idea, um, but I can understand why they want to do it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, um, Kim Little, when she was playing for Seattle Rain or Rain FC, as they're known now, she had a little loan spell in Melbourne. And I think mm-hmm. Jen Beattie as well spent a little bit of time at Melbourne City because she was a Manchester City player and Melbourne City, a part of the City group, and which is where yep. Joe Montemoro was as well. So there's 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 lots and lots of links going on there. Um, Sam, finally, just before um, just before we let you get on with your day. Um, my kind of final question is more broadly about the WSL um, and whether it will become popular in Australia as a result of more Australian players coming over. We've seen on the back of the Sam Kerr deal that Optus um, bought TV rights for the WSL recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're recording this the day after Arsenal played Chelsea and there are a lot of Australian media there. Um, as well and I know people like Alicia Ferguson are basically basing themselves in London now like on on kind of Sam Kerr watch Um, do you see that like is the WSL starting to kind of penetrate as a product in Australia can you see it growing Um, and obviously there's there's the time zone difference because a lot of the games will kick off in the early hours of the morning in Australia do you see that as an impediment to it getting bigger in Australia um, I think it, it it definitely is getting bigger here, um, and it's getting bigger because we have Australians playing there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. You know, the Sam Kerr news was massive over here. Um, all of the the sort of the weeks of hype leading up to it, um, the announcement, everything around it, it was just sensational, and, and that coincided, of course, with. Optus Sport uh, buying the rights to televise the matches because you know they they follow the money right they're mm-hmm. a business um, and but I think you know the, the the annoying thing is that they they bought the rights just as the FA Player was released so we had access to all of the games for free through the FA Player and then we got sort of two rounds in two or three rounds in I think it was and and Optus snapped up the rights and Jira blocked the player so we can't watch it for free anymore. <laughs> 
Um, but what's what's been really great about Optus has been that they have a women's football uh, program. Like they have a show for it now. They have female presenters who are former players um, who just track how the WSL is going and they have weekly uh, discussions about it, which is fantastic. It's something that we've never had here before. We barely even have it for the W League. Um, but I think, you know, it's... It, it is complicated by the time zone difference, yeah. but it's a similar sort of issue to what we have with the Premier League. You know, it's played at basically the same time the day before. Um, and yet we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fans who get up in the middle of the night to watch their team. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch from the sort of the football culture that a lot of fans here already experience when it comes to engaging with English football. Um, and I, I just think that the, the the stronger the competition gets, the more Australians that go over there, um, particularly national team players who are, you know, Australia's most loved sporting team. We, we adore the Matildas. Mm. Um, the, the more that we see them over there, I think the greater, the bigger the fan base here is going to get. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much uh, for your insights and giving up your time today. And perhaps we'll catch up with you maybe when Caitlin's got a few games under her belt. I understand she won't be able to play to us for Arsenal until probably the end of February. But um, perhaps we'll catch up a few months down the line to check how Caitlin's doing in an Arsenal shirt. Love to. Hopefully after a couple of goals as well. Indeed, indeed. Sam, thank you so much. Thanks so much to Aidan and Samantha for their time and for their insights. And um, this is a this is a signing I'm I'm very excited about and quite curious about. I've I've only seen a little bit of Caitlin Ford myself at the at the World Cup last summer, but really looking forward to what she can bring to this Arsenal squad. We hope you've enjoyed this sort of bonus edition of the Arsenal Women Arsecast. As you can probably tell, Pippa and I weren't entirely blindsided by this signing, so we got this content prepared before the announcement and maybe we took a little bit of a risk recording recording this before the announcement was made, but um, we thought that it was only right to try and give you some insights into this player that Arsenal have signed from the people that know her best. We really, really hope that you've enjoyed this particular edition of the Arsenal Women Askcast. Pippa and I will be back in a few weeks with another episode.